You're listening to The Tool Belt, a manufacturing podcast focusing on logistics, safety, operations, and breaking industry news. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Plant Services Tool Belt Podcast. Uh, we're here today with Karen Griffin, and she's the Vice President at Hargrove Controls and Automation. She's also the new chair of the CSIA Board of Directors. That's the Control Systems Integrator Association. And I'm excited to have her with us in the podcast today because as we were talking before we pressed record, uh, increasingly for modern plant operations and asset management strategies. Um, plants need a good integrator partner to help identify where data is stored, siloed, and to help bring data sets together to, to really draw insights from that data on how to improve operations. Um, when Karen took the role of chair in May 2023, she said, I am incredibly excited to help lead CSIA as board chair and proud to be the first woman to hold this position. The future looks challenging but bright for system integration and I am honored to have a hand in leading the industry into it. Uh, Karen, I can't wait to talk to you about all those comments and more. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate being here. Has it been an exciting couple of months since taking on the chair responsibilities? Absolutely. We've already done uh, our first and second round of strategy planning. I think we've got a lot coming up, so it, it absolutely has been rewarding and challenging all at the same time. Wow. Well, we had a chance to talk to Sean Phillips, one of your co-workers at Hargrove, a little earlier this year. I'm excited to talk with you for that strategy purpose. And we'll jump right in. I'm curious to know, Karen, um, what's your sense of what the system integrator market looks like over the next two years? Is there enough integrators to meet demand? And, and maybe we could talk about manufacturing specifically, too. Yeah, I think we're all trying to figure that out right now, Tom, because all of our economic indicators say that we're going to go into a recession. Uh, we also have an election year coming up, uh, but we also have a worker shortage. So how do those things all play together? That's something that, you know, obviously we don't have a crystal ball. We would love to have one, but because of the worker shortage, it seems that we're going to still be a strong demand on, on automation. Will we have enough people to do the work? Well, we'll either have enough people to do the work or the work won't get done. Um, you know, certainly technology stands in the way of, of helping us achieve those goals. So, uh, you know, well, I shouldn't say stands in the way. Technology enables us to achieve those goals. So even with the worker shortage, I think that um, we're going to have a lot of advancing technology at our fingertips because of the demand for it. That That's really insightful. I just got back from Fabtech last month, which was here in Chicago. And that was the message across the board, whether it was software providers, robotics providers, it was Given the challenge in finding skilled workers, especially in manufacturing, um, they're looking more to automation to solve these problems, too, which, again, requires a strong integrator partner. That's right. That's right. Well, our primary audience for plant services is plant managers, operations managers, and then the asset management side of things, maintenance and reliability. So let me ask you, what kind of projects do you foresee plant managers and operation managers investing in, assuming those are folks who may have more of the uh, OTIT side of things. Absolutely. Uh, th they're going to be investing in some traditional automation as well, which is going to be centered around obsolescence. 
because they're wanting to take advantage of OTIT, the first thing you've got to do is make sure that your systems are protected against cyber threats. And some of these aging systems don't have any measures to protect you against any kind of cyber threat. They were installed before uh, the internet was a thing. So, you know, they don't have firmware or anything we can really put in there. So, in some cases, when you really want all of the data those systems have to offer, you really need to address the obsolescence. Um, you can certainly put firewalls and things up to protect things, but you also limit what you can get from those systems when you do that. So some of the things that they're going to be investing in is going to be traditional automation um, in order to enable them for some of the newer technologies. But these newer technologies are going to help them run their plants better. They're going to have greater insights into what's going on and what's going to happen in the future. Knowing what's going to happen in the future gives them the opportunity to respond and change course. So those those stand to be powerful tools that they will have to operate their plants in the future. And I think that they're going to invest to get themselves on those platforms. Another thing, though, is there's quite a few emerging markets, uh, especially related to clean energy and carbon capture. Uh, all of these facilities yeah. are going to be in need of automation. So, again, this is a traditional automation implementation for all of those facilities. But because you're putting in a lot of the newer technology, they're already enabled to capture some of the AI technology, some of the you know newer enhanced ways of operating and running your plants. You know, uh, software companies like IFS, which specialize in asset management, ERP, mm -hmm. that sort of thing, they're hearing from their customers uh, they, that that they would like more automated reporting on yes. carbon use, uh, carbon footprint, and not even just for the facility itself that they're working in, but also uh, the facilities and the fleets operated by their suppliers. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are going to become more and more important because the timeline we have to correct what's going on with carbon is is it's really nearing its end. Yeah, that's uh, I have three boys, 12 and 10, and I, I hope that someday they forgive the older generations for for waiting so long to do this kind of work. But it's exciting to see this being done. Absolutely. Do you see the competition between markets as uh, as as sort of thinning out the integrator base where you'll see healthcare sort of competing with manufacturing? Or, or again, is, is there enough new talent in the pipeline, you think, that uh, we're, we're somehow going to find a way to get it all done? So, you know, I do see competing markets for the same type of talent, uh, especially as we evolve the, what systems integration is, because it's no longer just working with PLCs and DCS systems. We've mm -hmm. evolved into modeling with databases and, you know, utilizing database-centric tools to help plants run and operate more effectively. So that skill set's a very broad skill set that can be applied across multiple industries. And, you know, some of those industries are very high paying industries. So we do compete. We compete greatly for the same kind of talent pool. Um, that's going to be a challenge for us. Um, something that we do at Hargrove, and I know some of our other system integration companies are doing, is we get heavily involved in STEM programs. Uh, because when you create that awareness at a young age, you create that spark, that desire to be in a different industry that maybe they didn't have any exposure to beforehand. But we're going to have to create our own you know, market for, for talent in the future. And the best place to start is in our school systems. Interesting. Uh, maybe we can go to the question about the initiatives that you'll be tackling uh, with the CSIA going forward. Is that one on the agenda to, to work with 
schools and local officials to to drive these kind of programs? Not so much with CSIA, uh, but many of the member companies are engaged in that. You know, the CSIA um, mission is really about helping our members grow better companies, uh, more sustainable, more profitable companies. Uh, So, you know, what we do is we knowledge share within that organization. And so, one, one integrator is finding a lot of success of growing their talent pool and then another one's going to try that, you know, and, and we do a lot of knowledge here because we really are trying to help each other uh, grow better companies. Okay. Uh, can you talk about one or two of the things that were discussed at recent strategy meetings for, for what CSIA will be tackling in 2024 and beyond? Yes, I'm really excited about what's coming up. So, uh, first of all, uh, you may have seen the announcement. We hired a director for best practices and professional development. Uh, he's well known in our industry. Eric Schaefer is his name. Um, and, and when you think about it, best practices is a flagship product for CSIA. It's a little book that teaches you all about how to manage and run a successful integration company. All of the business practices that you need for that, as well as project execution. So it, it's really a, a, a broad spectrum of what it covers. And Traditionally, our best practices have been developed by volunteer members, and they've been doing a phenomenal job. But having somebody dedicated to evolving these best practices just demonstrates our commitment to the product um, and that our, our commitment is to our members to help them grow better companies as, as the businesses evolve. So, you know, best practices was actually the product that led Hargrove to CSIA. Um, we are an engineering company, and when we decided to build a system integration arm, we were looking for what, where in the market we needed to tap into to kind of to get what we could, leverage what we could that was already produced, and CSIA had the best practices, and that was very attractive to us. Um, but after joining, we quickly learned that the true value of being a member is, is from the implementation of the best practices, not just receiving them. Um, so that's going to lead me to where Eric is going with his uh, professional development role. And, and what we really want to do is create a pathway for, for training for our, our members so that they can get more enablement towards adopting best practices for themselves. I think that this is going to be a, a you know groundbreaking change for us to have the a, a person that's dedicated to evolving best practices, as well as the professional development of the companies that are members of CSIA. Sure. Another thing that I wanted to, to tell you about, though, is our emerging yeah. leaders. Um, so the emerging leaders um, has become more and more of a foothold within CSIA. Traditionally, the market was really around the executives of the company, the owners, the leaders. Uh, but the emerging leaders have become more and more of a, a footprint of what the value of CSI is to its members. Um, they self-organized to a large extent and started developing committees and things mm. to work with one another. So, you know, we've embraced this so much that we actually renamed our upcoming conference. And it's not going to be the annual executive conference. It's going to be the annual conference because we're getting more and more future leaders that are attending. So, you know, if you're going to be in Dallas, it's going to be something that you don't want to miss. The speakers that we have uh, that we're forming, up, uh, framing up and, you know, the sessions, the workshops that are coming in, it's, it's going to be pretty powerful. Oh, that's really cool. And that that is a big change for a long time. I've always known the conference to be the executive conference. And what what a what a way to recognize what's happening in industry. Uh, Absolutely. Then, yeah. yeah, Tom, I'm pretty excited about it. 
maybe we can wrap up the conversation by talking about the diversity side of industry. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask is what it means to you to be the first woman to hold the position of the CSII board chair. Um, in general, I'm seeing a lot more women move into traditional uh, male-dominated roles in heavy industry, uh, maintenance, reliability, planning, scheduling operations. So what does it mean to you to, to, to hold this role? And then what role do you see CSIA playing in advancing diversity in heavy sure. industry? Well, first, being the chair of this board to me is an honor. And I think that would be the case for anyone, uh, male, female, you know, you have it. Um, but I get to serve alongside, you know, people that I have just a tremendous amount of respect for uh, and enjoy the opportunity to get to know them more personally and learn a little bit more about them. But I also get to learn from them. So, you know, there's a saying we have here at Hargrove, and it's, it's common that we share it with one another, but it's iron sharpens iron. You know, so that's mm. what being the chair of CSIA is all about. You're working with Jose and the other board members in this capacity. It, it's truly rewarding and it's, it's great for your own pre professional development. Um, you know, but promoting diversity, it really starts with our children. We, you know, I think most of the people that I've encountered in the workforce, most of the people that I work with, they are very inclusive, but the numbers just aren't there, you know. So the promoting of diversity really has to start with going and teaching our children that there are careers available to them that they may not be aware of. Um, teaching them, it sparks that interest. It kind of starts to guide their interest as they're going through school. There's many STEM programs available. That's something that we invest in heavily as far as time and resources. Um, and then it's also important to note that there's college students out there that haven't heard of the field. Even from the traditional fields that we typically recruit from, there's plenty of college students that do not know anything about system integration. Certainly, I didn't know anything about it when I was in college, and I did not learn about it until I was at my first co-op interview. And the wow. person interviewing me, one of the people that was on the panel was a process automation and control for a paper company. And that's where I started to learn about this field is actually in the interview. So, you know, we've got to get ourselves a little bit more involved in the universities so that we're talking to the majors that we typically recruit from and educating them about the field before they get into the interview process. Um, so those are some ways that we can help improve our numbers. And that's just by creating awareness, because many people just don't know about the field, whether it's male, female or any of the ethnic diversities that we have available to us. Creating that awareness is going to be a huge enabler to help them see themselves in this field. Nine years ago, I was sitting with someone on a plane coming back from the Rockwell Automation Fair, and he was an integrator from Indiana. And he said even then, the opportunity in heavy industry alone was so great that he was going to re, uh, make his career in heavy industry. He was going to retire early and mm -hmm. he was going to retire well. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and that's the, that's the thing about this field. There's so much demand in it. And so it's a great career field for people to go into. It might seem a little bit different to them, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot. There's a lot of rewards. Every day you're trying to solve a new problem. Not many career fields give you that. Excellent. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being with us. And for more information on the CSIA and on Hargrove, where can we point people to? Well, uh, we've got a website for both CSIA as well as Hargrove, but also follow us on LinkedIn. 
Uh, CSIA and Hargrove both put a lot of information out on LinkedIn. You can stay plugged in with what we're doing, uh, see more about our efforts and where you could plug in as well. Okay. Karen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it.